0: I truly believe this has been a great series for us all, and today is going to be no exception. Today we're going to give you real practical helps. We're going to give you habits that you need to adapt to your life, tips to help you. And these are habits that we need to put before we get married, during we get married, and even if we're on the other side of marriage and our hearts have been broken and and we've found ourselves divorced, these are habits that still we need to apply to our lives, that we can have the healing that we need and the strength that we need. But they have to be applied. They have to be implemented to our life. Let me talk to all the people who are not married yet. If you're not married in the house, come on, just wave at me right now. Come on, wave at me. The, the before crew. Wow, we've got a lot. Keep those hands up. Look around. That's all the people who are available in the house. Don't wait. Don't wait to put these habits to work. And say, well, I'll do them one day. Put them to work right now. Because when you get married, you need to realize this. It's what inside the couple that makes a couple. What's inside of you, your character. Because what is inside of you can not only make a marriage, but what's inside of you can also break a marriage. It doesn't start at the altar. That place of giving of yourself where couples stand prepared to give their best to each other and to God. It's spending time ready right now to be the right number two for someone else before you have even perhaps even met that person. I believe it's time, if you are single today, to let God prepare you, to prepare you for someone, to prepare you for that other person. Person. Listen to this. Ask God to help you to become your future spouse's right person. And when you are that person, you will be the answer to someone else's prayer. When you allow God to work in you, you will be the answer to someone else's prayer. So to every one of you today... If you're single, married, in a relationship, whatever it needs to be, you need to be listening today because we're going to give you some truths that work. Because God's way is still the best and God's way works. Throughout this series, we've been talking a lot about character, about you in the marriage, getting order right, having a relationship with God. And it has to start there. Character is so important. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of character is this, what you are in the dark, what you are when no one else is looking, when no one else is around. And it has to start there. We need to take who we are and we'll discover truly who we are through relationship with Christ Then we need to add practical habits or principles that we're going to talk about today to who we are, and then it becomes what we do. Who we are determines what we do, and what we do comes from who we are. I want to ask every one of you a question today. What person do you need to become so you are either ready for or ready to have a healthy, fulfilled marriage? Let me ask that again. What type of person do you need to become so you are either ready for or ready to have a healthy, fulfilled marriage? That's an important question to ask yourself. That's an important question to have the right answer to, but instead so many times we ask ourselves different questions like this, who can I find that's going to make me happy? Did you notice the difference? The difference is, who can I find that makes me happy with no change for me? Instead of saying, what needs to change in order for me to be that person or to be ready? You see, we've got so caught up in looking for someone else that we've forgotten to truly find ourselves and who we are and what God asks us to be. In our marriage, think about what would happen. Every one of you who are married today, think about what would happen if you wouldn't only pray for your spouse to change. But instead, you would rather say, God, change me, change my heart, God. Show me the things that needs to change in me. Because probably you could do a change or two. You see, we've got so caught up about if only they would change. God, send me someone to be happy. All these kind of things where we've got to work on who we are. God, change me, help me, touch me. Most of us have probably had a look or a list of what we were looking for in someone. I think when you've got a list of what you're looking for in someone, there needs to be negotiable and non-negotiable. Some things need to be non-negotiable. Negotiable Negotiable is the color of their hair, color of their eyes, and their height, weight, stuff like that. That's negotiable. We can work maybe a little bit with that. But non-negotiable are things like they're saved. That's a good place to be. I mean, that they've got a good job, that they know work ethics, that they're friendly. So we all have a list of things that perhaps we've looked for in other people or we are looking for in other people. We want someone who loves God. We want someone who listens, who's kind, who's loving, sweet, forgiving, won't hold a grudge, low maintenance, a friend, someone who handles money well. We all want those things in someone else. But the question today is, are they present in us? Are they present in us? Come on, someone say with me today, ouch. Why? Because we need to have the realization of this. We want something from someone else that we ourselves are not even doing. We've got to be that person for our number two that we find. Let God worry about your two and let God help you handle your life. Can you be Are you being that kind of person for someone else? Are you allowing God to work on your life, to develop you, to change you, to grow you, to move your life in that direction? Remember, order matters when it comes to God. God has to be first. And then He wants to build our character. He wants to make a better person who we are. So today, for those of you who are not dating, for those of you who are dating, for those of you who are in a relationship, those of you who are married, those of you who are divorced, we're going to give you seven practical habits, tips, principles that you need to apply to your life. And please, you need to take notes in the house of God. Incidentally, by the way, you will not go to hell if your cell phone goes off in church. Luke, my little boy, turns to me so worried and so sincere in his face and says, Dad, will that really happen? told him, yes. (laughs) Only plan. I said, no, son, it won't really happen. I hope. So seven principles. You need to take notes in church. Are you ready? Habit number one. I will deal with my past. Notice once again, it's I will deal. Why? Because we are dealing with ourselves. We're letting God take care of our, our number two or our two to be. We are allowing God to deal with us. Habit number one, I will deal with my past. Dealing with your past, may I also add, is not putting it in a box and sticking it up in the attic. Your past is fixed. That means you cannot change it, but you can stop it. Let me say that again. Your past is fixed and you cannot change that. But you can stop that. You can't change what's gone before, but you can stop it changing your future, your today, your tomorrow. Your past doesn't have to continually work its way into each new day. Can I hear an amen in the house? Too many people are carrying too much baggage today. Baggage from past relationships, from families from hurts, being let down. And what they are doing is they are carrying that baggage, those hurts. They are carrying them right into their new relationship. So now it's not only Johnny and Susie, it's Johnny, Susie and Bob that's in the relationship. Or it's not only Johnny, Susie, it's Johnny, Susie and Liz. Why? Because we're carrying the past with us and it's going to destroy and affect Our future. No matter how bad or how much you have been hurt, I'm here to tell you today, God can give you the healing that you need. God can give you the healing you need. If you're still single today, don't wait to inflict the spouse of your dreams with your unfinished business. Deal with it. Remove it. Forgive it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness a little bit later. But get rid of it. Isn't it sad that we marry the person of our dreams, but we inflict upon them our past? Because we don't get rid of it. We don't let God deal with it. We don't let him deliver us from it. I wonder today what baggage you may be carrying today. I wonder what baggage you're carrying It's important that we identify it. It's important that we seek help. You know a good place to start when you've got help or you need help from the past is God's Word. To read God's Word. The Bible speaks about God's Word wants to renew our minds. It wants to touch and change our hearts. We need to read the Word of God so we can be free from the past. Another good thing to do is to pray, which is really talk to God about it. Say, God, I need you to help me. Heal my heart. Heal my wounds. Another great help is to go to church. To be in an atmosphere. To be around godly people. Seek godly counsel. We've got a great program here at this church called Celebrate Recovery. Every Friday night. I mean, it's great for you to come if you're dealing with the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups. The excess baggage. Get around godly people, godly friends. Here's a really important one. Know who you are in God through building a relationship with Him. Get it handled. Get it handled. I'm here to tell you today the cross handled it all. Jesus, when He died upon a cross, He died to set us free from our path. And every time Satan wants to remind you of your past, why not turn it around and remind him of his future? Come on, your past is forgiven, your past is forgotten. The only one who keeps bringing it up is you. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. The cross handled it all. Look what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? He cares For you, oh God can't handle that. Cast it upon him, he cares for you. Very important that we don't allow our past to come into a new day in our lives. Come on, I will handle and deal with my past. Second great habit is this, I will grow with good people. I will grow with good people. You can tell a lot about people by the company they keep. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. That means if you're around the wrong people, however much good there is in you, it's going to be corrupted, it's going to be affected. We've got to learn to grow with good people. We get like the people we hang out with. What does it say in Proverbs 27, 17? As iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Come on, we've got to be around other people who are going to sharpen our lives. They're going to challenge us. Because just like iron sharpeneth iron, we know that lead will take you to the bottom. Lead will take you, dead weight will take you to the bottom. You know, as I've been studying through and reading on relationships, there's a very important truth here that I believe would have saved and will save a lot of people from a lot of pain and anguish in their marriages. And that is this. When you are looking, specifically for those who are single, obviously, when you are looking for someone to marry, look at the relationships they already keep in their life. Look how they interact with their parents. Look at the respect or lack of it that they perhaps have for elders, for other people. Look at the kind of friendships they keep around them, whether they're sustained friendships, if they're healthy friendships, if they're good, health, good relationships. Why? Because I'm telling you, if they don't have them before you, they're not going to have them with you. If they're not there already, they're not going to magically appear. And that's why it's so important to grow with good people, to build good relationships. Before marriage, find great friends. Get someone that you're accountable to. Surround yourself with people that will speak into your life. Get some people around you that's going to challenge you and say when you're doing something wrong, buddy, you need to stop. Don't get around the wrong crowd. Why? Because they're going to corrupt you. And when they start to do the wrong things, they're going to drag you into it. And when you do it, they're going to validate it and support you in it instead of saying, hey, buddy, you don't need to be doing that. Get around the right people. In your marriage, begin to build healthy relationships with other married couples. You know, one of the biggest enemies to a married couple is single friends. I didn't say you can't have any. But you've got to be careful who you're hanging out with, because they will misinterpret your commitment as a prison. That you have to call and let your husband or wife know what's going on. Man, what's the deal, man? You're under the thumb. What's the deal? Man, I can do whatever I like. What does it do? It sows seeds. You've got to be very careful. You've got to watch. Because when you're married, you're not single anymore. You've got greater responsibilities. You can't do what you want all the time anymore. You've got to build healthy relationships then with other married couples. And don't just build relationships with married couples of your own age. Find some older people whose marriage is successful. Take them out for supper. Meet them for a coffee. Invite them around your house and just pick their brains and say, help us make our marriages better. We've also got to surround ourselves, just like when we were single, with good people, godly people, people that's going to hold us accountable, people that are going to speak into our lives. I've heard people say so many times, well, what about this friend? They're kind of a neutral friend. There's no such things as neutral friends. Because you put anything in neutral, you know what it's going to go? It's going to go to the lowest point. If you're hanging out with people that you think are just kind of neutral, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take you down. You put a car in neutral, it's never going to roll uphill. So watch for those neutral friendships. You've got to be around people that's going to help you grow in your life. Those of you who are single, realize your years of singleness are irreplaceable opportunities to prepare yourself relationally for, for, for a fulfilling and enduring marriage don't waste the time right now don't waste these moments build relationships good relationships with people around I want to give you four filters if I could right now to help you in your relationships and these may help you filter number one what relationship around you maybe needs to be initiated That means what relationship do I perhaps need to develop with someone that's going to build my life, that's going to build my life, that's going to strengthen my life? Filter number two, what relationship needs to be nurtured? When I thought about nurtured, I thought about moving along the scale. You know, perhaps you've got some people here at church that you kind of say, hey, you know their name, but perhaps that relationship needs to build a little bit more that you need to maybe say, can we go out for a coffee sometime? I want you to speak into my life. What relationship maybe needs to be nurtured in your life, built a little bit? The third filter is this, what relationship needs to be restored? Maybe a relationship with your parents isn't where it needs to be. You need to restore that relationship. Maybe it's some good friends that you've had some disagreements. It's time to restore that relationship. Don't hold grudges. Make it right. Be the bigger man. Matthew 5 verse 9. I love this scripture. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the Son of God. Be a peacemaker. What relationship needs to be restored? Oh, Pastor P, I'll restore it when they ask me to forgive them. I didn't say that. It's your responsibility to restore it. It's your responsibility because one day you're going to have to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account for that severed relationship and the wrongdoing and the wrong motive in your heart. Here's a fourth one, which is really good. What relationship or relationships, plural, need to be severed? What relationships are hurting your relationship with God? I'll tell you right now, real friends will take you to Jesus at any cost. Four men one day found a friend who was paralyzed. And they said, we're taking you to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say he asked to go to Jesus. They took him to Jesus. When they get there, it's so full they can't get in. But real friends say, No, we're taking you to Jesus. Real friends stop at nothing to get you to Jesus, even if it's going to cost them something. I mean, who do you think had to pay to fix the roof of someone's house when they ripped a hole in it? They ripped a hole in the roof and lowered Jesus down, or lowered the man down to the feet of Jesus. That day, real friends brought someone to Jesus, and Jesus touched that man, and he was never the same again. I will grow with good people, people that are going to take me to Jesus. You need to be around some people that are going to take you to Jesus, that are going to challenge your life, that are going to hold you accountable. Habit number three, I will learn to be a listener. Does anyone struggle here? Okay, for everyone else who didn't put your hand up, it's because you're not listening today. Come on, we all struggle here to listen. I've discovered this. I'm 39 years of age. Man, I'm old. I'm I'm getting old. I'm going to be 40 this year. That is absolutely ridiculous. And um, crazy, crazy, crazy. But I keep reminding myself, age is a mentality. Do I hear an amen in the house? But I have discovered this. There is an art to listening that you and I must learn. To listen well invites love and makes it grow. But to listen poorly or not at all will kill love. Listen to this. Virtually everyone hears, but few listen. And there is a big difference. I was, I was, as I was preparing my message, I was remembering a story years ago. I've got an uncle, my dad's brother. He's called Bud. Uncle Bud. Come on, his real name is Malvin or Melvin. I don't even know what his real name is. He's always been Bud, you know. But one day, he was one of those kind of people that, you know, he would just walk through church and people would talk to him and he'd be friendly to everyone. But he was hearing and he wasn't listening. And suddenly, this lady is telling him this really sad story about how she lost her brother that week. To which my Uncle Bud replies, well, I think that's marvellous. She says, excuse me, Bud? Well, I think that's marvellous. And she says, but my brother died this week. He goes, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not marvellous. How many of us have ever been guilty of hearing somebody, but not really listening to what's been said? How many would say, that's not marvellous? not a good thing. And we've got to make sure that we're getting it right. There is a two to one ratio for a reason. You have got one mouth and two ears. Hasten a two to one ratio. For what reason? Perhaps because you need to do twice as much as what you do. I know that when Kelly talks to me sometimes, she's in the nursery today, but she would be Amen, and at the front row right now. I know that when Kelly talks to me sometimes, my mind is in 20 different locations. I mean, I'm thinking about this, that. There's always something. In fact, that's a struggle that I have, that I have to ask God to help me with so many times. My mind hardly ever shuts down. My mind just goes all the time. It's always thinking about new things and what needs to be done and all this kind of stuff. And if I'm not careful... It can rob that quality time that I need with my wife, my children, or whoever it may be. And I've found myself many times with Kelly talking, and I can tell you right now, I'm hearing what she's saying. Because there'll be times that she'll look at me and say, you're not even listening to me. And I'll say, oh yeah, and I can regurgitate back what she's just said. But guys, can I tell you right now, they know. They know. You're not fooling them, they know. And here's the danger. If we're not truly listening and we're just hearing and we're not meeting the need of that person and that cry that is coming, here's the danger. If we won't listen to them, they'll find someone else who will. We've got to learn how to listen. And please understand, listening is not just a man problem. Listening is a problem, period. It's a problem across the board. I'm really feeling helpful today, so can I give you some helps that will perhaps help you in listening? I like what Dale said on, on Wednesday night. He said, I'm going to give a parable, but it's not really a parable. It's a story I wrote, so it's a daleable. I like that. He was Dale, a daleable. So let me give you some helps today, okay? Help number one. If you want to learn how to listen, stop everything and focus intently upon that person. Small print, if you're driving, it's not a good thing to do that. So at the times when you can, mute the TV, turn the TV off, focus intently upon that person. Stop everything that you can, if possible, and focus on that person. Number two. Don't just listen with your ears. Do you know that you listen also with your eyes, your facial expressions, and your body language? There's a lot of information that comes or goes through gestures, the way you stand, and even how you breathe. If someone's talking to you and you're going, (sighs) and your arms are crossed, you know what that sends back to them? You're not really listening. Don't forget to breathe, but when you breathe, don't breathe too heavily. So don't just listen with your ears, listen with you. Number three, repeat back. But don't fall victim to the fact that you're just repeating back and you're not really listening. You've already stopped everything. You're focused on them. You're listening with all of you. And now you are repeating back to them, helping confirm to them what you have just heard. And also affirming the fact that you value what they have just said to you. I will learn To be a better listener. How many thinks we need some help in that area? Habit number? Okay, just making sure you're listening today. Habit number four. I will guard my heart. Say that with me. I will guard my heart. This is vital for your life. Before marriage, during marriage, whatever state of life you may find yourself in, it is so vital that you guard your heart. Craig Rochelle in this book, Love, Sex and Happily After. Incidentally, I've got two I want to give away today. Anyone want a free book? An incredible Miss Jenny, you want a book? I'll give one to you right over there. Come on, let me come all the way back over here and give this. You've got to read it, the girl. Come on, there you go. Fantastic. Great gifts. I've got something else I want to give away today while I'm at it. Who wants a nice mug full of candy? How many of Dustin, you got that? There you go. Look at that. There you go. Good catch. But we've got to learn how to guard our heart. Great Craig, Craig Rochelle in that book that I just gave out that's called Love, Sex, and Happily Ever After, he gives a great analogy of our heart. And he uses the example of an Eminem candy. How an M&M candy has a crunchy shell around the edge, but inside it's got some nice, soft, really tasty chocolate. Anyone kind of just licking their lips a little bit on that one? <laughs> so it's crunchy and hard on the outside, but it's soft, chocolatey and creamy on the inside. And he uses that analogy of how our hearts need to be that around our heart, we need to build or develop a thick skin, but yet still allow our heart on the inside to be soft and pliable. Let me talk about thick skin, if I could, for a minute. How many times do we sweat the small stuff? That we allow those little things, the little offenses, the unintended hurts can often turn out to be great problems. Why? Because we wear our emotions on our sleeves. We get so easily offended. And it's a problem that many of us have. Song of Solomon 2 verse 15 says, It's the little foxes that we've got to catch the foxes because it's the little things that destroy the vines. The little problems that can often come. Those things that so easily we allow to come in to our lives. Well, they didn't talk to me today. Well, they didn't look at me today. Well, they were looking at me today. Did you see that look? I can't believe he didn't call. That just shows they don't care. Hey, there are so many offences... And so many things that we can get inside of us that can cause problems in our relationship to our spouse, in our relationships with other people, that we need to develop a thick skin. I want to give you some more help today. When people are rude to you, it's often more their problem than it is yours. So... What happens if we don't have thick skin is this we let their bad attitude come in and affect our heart. Need to hear me today. Got to start developing a thick skin. One of the qualities that I possess inside of me is I'm not very easily offended. Some people have said to me, Philip, I'm sorry if I offended you. Someone said that yesterday to me. And I said, for goodness sake, I mean, you got to go a long way to offend me. Why? Because I've let things pass over me. I don't want to let things get in my heart because when they get into my heart, listen to me, they begin to control me. We may hate that person for what they've done, but when we let that get into our heart, we're letting that person control our life got to develop a thick skin. So I've got a quality of having a thick skin. I like what John Norman said and I'm going to change it a little bit how he said, I think the greatest gift you could give to yourself this year is not a new car, a nice new home, a new purse or all these kind of things that are good, an iPad or something. I think the greatest gift you could give to yourself this year is making a statement and declaration that 2012 I will not get offended. I won't allow offense to come into my heart because I'm telling you right now, offense is your choice. It's your choice. Well, they did it to me, yeah, but who chose to let it into your heart? Did they open the door and put it into your heart? No, you open the door. How do we know this? Because Jesus stands at the door. We have to open the door to let things into our heart, just like Jesus we need to let in. But yet we allow offense to come into our heart. Come on, we've got to get to a place where we've got a little bit of a thicker skin. And when people don't act and do and say exactly like we think they should, we don't let it pollute our hearts. We don't let it come in and rob our lives. Come on, say with me, thick skin. We all live in an imperfect world, surrounded by imperfect people. And if you don't believe me, just look to your left or right, right now. Look forward and you're going to see one right now. Hello. (laughs) The opportunities are endless to be offended. You know what? I know that there's someone here today that came to church and you've been offended since you've came to church. You're offended because the music was too loud. You're offended because someone didn't say hello to you. Or when they did say hello to you, they didn't really say hello to you like you expected them to. Offense, offense, offense. What does it say in Proverbs 4 verse 23? It says, keep your heart with all diligence. I want to change that. Have a thick skin around your heart and make sure you do that. Why? For out of your heart springs the issues of life. Another translation says that your heart determines the course of your life. It determines the boundaries, the place where your life, it's like the banks of a river. It determines the direction that your life is going to flow. Can I tell you right now, we've got to keep our heart. Got to have a thick skin all around. And look what it says in Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Got to guard your heart. Got to guard your heart. If you respond with the good kind of thick skin, there's a bad kind of thick skin. And you know what that is? I just don't care. We're not talking about just not caring and not feeling anything and not having any feelings. We'll just talk about protecting those feelings, protecting those hearts. But if you respond with the right kind of thick skin, you will avoid the temptation to personalize and internalize other people's actions against your life. But thick skin is just the outer layer. You cannot allow your whole heart to be thick because then you'll have a jawbreaker. We're trying to get M&M candy here. So while your skin, while your sensitivity is toughening up, up, we must allow our heart to soften inside. We need to work on compassion. Developing compassion. Thick on the outside, but soft on the outside. On the inside, we need to try and understand others' perspective. We need to try and see how they see. We've got so bad at not giving anyone the benefit of the doubt. We've got so good at giving vigilante justice that we pass justice on someone without even knowing the facts. That we don't feel for other people. One of the greatest lines of a song I believe that has ever been written is in a song, Hosanna, where it says, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. May my heart be so soft that I see the needs of those around me. And in seeing the needs, it will motivate me to help meet the needs. There's so many times in the word of God that the Bible reminds us that Jesus was moved with compassion for the hurting people. We need a heart like that. But to keep our hearts soft also, it also involves forgiveness. Letting things go at times can be very hard. Emotional wounds are hard to deal with. And just like physical wounds, even though we don't see them, when there's a physical wound, we put a band-aid on it. We put something upon it. And as a result, what does it do? It's able to heal. But just in the same way physical wounds need to be healed, emotional wounds also need time to heal. But if we allow unforgiveness into our heart, it's like we're constantly picking at the scab. And you know what will happen? It may eventually kind of heal but it's going to leave an awful scar where it was. Forgiveness does not make them right, but it makes you free. Well, I'll forgive Well, I can't forgive because if I forgive, then I'm saying that they were right what they did. No, true forgiveness doesn't make them right. True forgiveness makes you free because forgiveness is your responsibility. And here's how we are to forgive. We're to make sure it's clear between us and God. And any time we're harboring unforgiveness against someone else, we're blocking our relationship with God because God says, if you've got someone against someone else and you're coming to give me some praise in the house, God says, first push my praise aside and go and take care of that. Why? Because I'm not going to hear or I'm not going to receive or take that gift that you want to give to me. Think about that. Forgiveness will shut out our lives. It will shut out God's blessings that he wants to pour into our lives. Look what it says in Colossians 3.13. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Word's not just forgiving one another there. It's been grace, having grace, unmerited favor. That which God shows towards us that may, maybe don't deserve it. But you know what? You don't either. Being forgiven to them, releasing your life. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, look what it says. You must Also do so. You must do. It's not a question. It's a must. You must do. As Christ forgave and is forgiving you constantly, we must learn how to forgive others. Someone's done something against you. They've inflicted something against you. Put it on one side of the scale, what that person's done. And on the other side of the scale, put every offense and everything that you have ever done against God. And what you've done to other people, you've done towards God. So we're talking about every offense of your life today. Put it on the other side of the scale. That one thing, that one look, that one word, that one comment that they made. How dare they? How dare you? Put it on the scale And then put everything on the other side and ask yourself, how much did God forgive you from? And therefore, how much must you now forgive others who have done those things unto you? God, if you can forgive me with all of this stuff, I can forgive that person with just that little stuff. Say with me, guard your heart. You've got to have a thick skin. But yet it's got to be soft on the inside. Got to have that compassion. Got to have that love. Got to have that desire. Got to have what God wants. Number five. Well, let me say this before I move on to number five. God can help you forgive people and break that trap of offense. If you're just asking. Number five. I will practice facing and resolving conflict. To ask most people, What's an example of a healthy couple? They would say one that never disagrees, one that never fights, and one that never has a conflict. I'm telling you right now, that's not healthy. That's just a couple in denial. And denial is also a river in Egypt. Healthy couples are not those who never fight, but those that work through their problems. They fight, but they fight fair. What does it say? We're going to resolve conflict. And to resolve conflict is to the fulfillment of both sides. The nature of a guy and the nature of a lady or male and female is completely different. When a guy is done with fighting or when a guy walks past a problem, he wants to leave the problem and move on. So a guy says, it's over. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And most of the time for a guy, they can do that. But most of the time for a lady, she cannot handle that. When it's done to him, it's not done to her. She wants to talk about it. She wants to talk more about it. And she wants to talk some more about it. So when the men can move on, she cannot. And she interprets his action as this. He's secretly mad at me. He's secretly mad at me. She can't deal with that. You see, so often in our relationships, we try to avoid conflict because who really enjoys that? I mean, who really enjoys confronting an issue? I mean, come on, anyone enjoy conflict in here? If you do, then we need you all to pray for us because obviously we've missed something. I mean, no one likes conflict. No one likes it when there's tension in the home or tension in the relationship. But to avoid it never solves it. It just delays the inevitable. And one day it's going to resurface. And when it resurfaces, it's going to be a monster. It's a monster. It's going to come and you're like, wow, where did it come from? It's because of something that wasn't handled. We've got to learn how to resolve our differences in our conflicts in marriage. Listen, conflict in marriage is unavoidable. Is unavoidable. I'll get it out in a minute. Conflict in marriage is unavoidable. Conflict in life is unavoidable. So it needs to be resolved properly. Let me give you some helps how to resolve conflict. And I'm nearly finished this morning. Help number one, calm down before you respond. Take a time out. Don't fight when you're angry. Because you know what will happen when you fight when you're angry? You're going to say some things that you never even meant to say. And words cannot be taken back. Words cannot be taken back. We've got to learn how to respond with love and not anger, or at least, at best, calm down a lot. So calm down before you respond. Here's a really key one, I believe, right here. Number two, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't carry into tomorrow what can be left in your today. Because when it goes into tomorrow, it can cause more problems and more problems and more problems. The Bible says in Ephesians 4:26, 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place or opportunity to the devil. The thought is this, that we can give opportunity to the devil through not handling and resolving those things and bringing them into another day. Don't allow Satan any foothold in your relationship, in your marriage, in your future relationships or marriage. Learn to deal with those things. Learn to Say sorry before you go to bed at night. Learn to handle it so the new day can be a new day and not a new day plus the old day that you didn't take care of. I'm nearly done. Number three, don't get historical. I didn't spell that wrong and I didn't say that wrong. Historical, not hysterical, historical. We're so good at getting historical when problems come that what do we do? We start bringing up the past. Oh, here we go again. Last week you did this. And the week before you did it. I thought you forgave me. How can I forgive you? You keep doing those same things over again. Can I tell you, bringing up the past is not going to help. And really, if you're continually bringing up the past, maybe you haven't forgiven the past. And you need to work on that forgiveness. Can we learn to leave the old hurts buried? Number four, try to avoid the never and always words. It's amazing how much we exaggerate when we fight. You never tell me that you love me. You always, and you notice how we... We really kind of stretch him out a little bit. It's not, we, you never do that. It's, you never, and you always try and avoid those things when you fight. You can't avoid the conflicts, but I'm telling you to be fair with each other. Remind yourself of this. I am fighting with someone that I prayed for God to give to me. I am fighting with someone that I made a vow to love, cherish, and to protect. So the only person I'm hurting is not them. I'm hurting myself. You've got to begin to realize that. Is this good stuff today? We've run out of time, so I'm just going to give you the last two, and we'll maybe go into them a little bit deeper on Wednesday night for all the saved people who come to church. <laughs> Habit number six. I will be financially responsible. If you're single, you need to learn how to handle your finances before. There's nothing worse and no greater problem that you can take into a marriage than debt, 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 debt. It can cause so many problems in marriages in your life. If you're married right now, you need to learn how to handle your finances right now. You need to eliminate debt. You need to get the help that you need. The main reason they tell us today of divorce is financial problems. I'm going to give you this and then we're going to move on to number seven. You need to apply this principle. If you want to be financially responsible, it starts here. Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes. At the end of the day, everything you have is God's. And you need to realize that the talents, the gifts, the abilities that you have, you think you've got all those and you went to school and because of your school and because of this and you're working hard, you got yourself a good job. Well, who gave you your brain in the first place? Who gave you your hands and your feet? Who gave you the strength, the abilities? Only God, only God. Everything you have today has come through the grace and the blessing of God. But yet what do we do? We shut God out and say, thank you very much, but not really. I don't want you to be a part of our lives. The sooner we realize and invest into that, the better. We've got to be a good steward with what God has given to us. Why? Because God says, if you're a good steward with the little you have, God says, I can honor you and give you more. So we need to be financially responsible. We need to take the lead in our homes. Number seven, I will invest in my relationship with God. Vitally, vitally, vitally important. Should be obvious, but for many, unfortunately, it's not. It's the most important thing. It's not just having a relationship with God. What does it say? I will invest in my relationship. Investing means to put time, work, effort energy into. It's making God the priority of our lives. Perhaps we need to start setting date nights with God where we have time, where we spend time, set aside time, put the cell phone down, turn the TV off and we just spend time with our relationship with God. One other thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to close. Remember, the more you are like Jesus, the better your marriage will be. The more you are like Jesus, the better your marriage will be. Come on, say with me, implement. Come on, say it like you mean it, implement. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We
1: would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart C's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.
0: I